What's up, everybody? And thank you so much for listening to episode 19 of the Arizona Movie Club. My name is Tyler, and I will be your host, as I always will be, every single week. I'm going to be here. I promise. That's a threat. No, I'm just kidding. And with me, as he always will be, is my co-host, Andy. What's going on, Andy? Hey, there. And we are the Arizona Movie Club. In case clicking on that link you clicked on or the picture did not tell you, we are two guys that are really not qualified to talk about movies. But we're here anyways. The people will not stop us. We don't need credentials. And I'm usually more mellow. I'm aggressively hyped right now. I don't know why, but we are here. And we talk about movies. Now, the plan is, just to reiterate, because we are still in the midst of a global fucking pandemic. But the plan is, when everything is finally somewhat back to normal, I I honestly, hot take, I don't think it ever will be the same. Um, But when... When it's all back to normal, every Hopefully the movies will be the same. Nice segue. Well, or is that what you meant? It'll oh, it won't be. Anymore. Like they're doing half seats, half seating, no matter what. Yeah, I'm hoping that'll just be like the first year or so. That's gonna be like that for NFL games too. But anyway, yeah, different. Yeah, not not to talk about this isn't the coronavirus podcast. This is the Arizona Movie Club. So the idea in its inception was we watch a movie that comes out that week. If you're me and have a problem, possibly more than one, I'll have a real problem when theaters come back. Uh, and then we review an old movie, an old movie that we are late to the party. The only rule was one of us couldn't have watched it before, and originally it was it has to be more than a year old. We've kind of thrown that out the window since we started. I just feel like I should give an update. I don't talk about this every week, but that was the idea. And part of the other reason we'll I want to say that we'll is we'll be coming to you every Wednesday and Saturday from here on out. You're, who knows when you're listening to this, but that's going to be our new schedule. It's been really sporadic. I apologize for that. It's mostly my fault for editing, but then also me and Andy just have to coordinate everything properly. But we are going to be talking about the Wes Anderson special here. Well, specials. We're, we're doing a Wes the Anderson episode. The double, double feature in one. Yeah, time. it's the Wes blowout. And if you're saying these white people giving Wes the first double feature episode, you're right. But at least it's not Quentin Tarantino. That would be my counter. I, I don't think we'll, I don't ever want to give him. Episode. Well, we yeah. have to talk about his movies that we haven't seen. Yeah. Oh, he's only got one more coming out. I guess we don't technically really have to do a lot of Tarantino oh, yeah, that's, shit. That's right, yeah. I haven't seen some of his, like, seen most of his stuff. Actually. We're good. We don't have to really ever talk about that. Cool. So that would be my counter. At least we didn't do episodes if about you, him. If you survived the fact that we're not huge Tarantino fans. Plug it along. <laughs> Please don't leave yet. And what movies are we talking about for Wes Anderson, you may ask? Well... In this episode, episode 19, once again, we are talking about The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. That's a weird choice. It's because one of us has to have not seen it. I also have not seen The Royal Tenenbaums, but Andy had some nostalgia for Life Aquatic. So, well, I, I think <laughs> The Royal Tenenbaums, or Royal Life Aquatic, I think, was my, my more preferred of the two, but I just watched Royal Tenenbaums like three, four months ago or something like that. So I wanted to selfishly watch Life Aquatic. My bad on that. We should have watched Royal Ten Bombs. This one didn't age. I, I still really like it. It doesn't age as well as Ten Bombs does. But it's okay. And just to just reiterate here, if it is your first time, so you will most likely this will be coming out Wednesday on Saturday. There will be the fantastic Mr. Fox episode. Mm. Andy had not seen that. I love that. That was my uh, to the party. I've seen most of Wes's newer stuff. Had not uh, seen basically anything before Life Aquatic. So maybe at some point we will do Royal Ten Bombs. That'll be fun. If you're thinking. Hey, I've got way better movie ideas for this. Well, you probably do. Please, dear God, email us at ArizonaMovieClub at gmail.com. Once again, that is AZMovieClub at gmail.com. We do have a Twitter handle, Andy. 
I got so excited about that. Nobody ever asked about the Twitter handle. We have a Twitter handle. Uh, it is AZ Movie Club at Twitter. Not Twitter. I guess Twitter.com. If you use, if you're one of those weirdos that uses the Chrome browser or whatever, then you probably just press on that Twitter app and go search Arizona Movie Club and follow us. We got retweeted by Extraordinary. Which is the movie yes, in our first ever movie. Yes, 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 we did. There's some hype to it. We've got over 1,200 views. Thank you, everyone that has contributed to that. Thank you very much. So that is my sales pitch as to why you should listen. Now, please keep listening. We need, <laughs> we need to listen. <laughs> so without, with, without further ado, with lack of a better uh, transition here, we're going to talk about Life Aquatic with Steve Z. Sue, starring Bill Murray, directed by, as mentioned, our guy, Wes Anderson. This movie, Andy, I mean... It's a Wes Anderson movie. It doesn't feel like a Wes Anderson movie. Well, it does, but... It, it loses it after the intro. The intro is still very Wes, like where you're doing... Yeah. Like a, a, I don't even know what the... An up and down shot where you're like seeing the submarine cut in half going between all the rooms and stuff. That's like, like a dollhouse entrance almost. Yeah, his... I mean, it's not an astute or new observation, but he builds dioramas yeah. and just kind of like films... Quirky, weird interactions, works with space in funny ways, uses really witty dialogue in, in time periods or scenarios that you wouldn't imagine it. Real white people shit. <laughs> when you don't have real struggles, you think about, well, how can I make funny periods yeah. of history sound really quirky? Yeah. But it's fun to watch. Time is very ambiguous. Like, yeah, a lot of times there's not like even vehicles in his movies, so you can't even judge like cars and things like that. You're having to go solely on people's fashion, which that's a fucking you know <laughs> toss up because they're they're usually wearing very period odd clothing. Yeah, and it does. He's usually has a recurring cast of uh, not characters but of actors. I mean, he swaps in new people. For example. Uh, we should have been in a, about a month or so getting French Dispatch, uh, which new. So he has some newer people. Uh, Source Ronan, the or if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, I apologize. Uh, she's fantastic, most notably starring in Lady Bird, Lady Bird that's right. and then Timothy Chalamet, uh, most notably from a lot of. I guess do you have a specific Timothy Chalamet movie where you think of him? Is it The King? The King is probably my favorite one, but what you had me watch one. It is escaping me now. Did you watch a Timothy Chalamet movie? I think so. Did you watch Beautiful Boy? And never tell me uh, about it. Uh, no, it was um, Hot Summer Nights. No, no. What was it called? Oh, that I want to watch that, but I still haven't watched it yet. It was That's good. On Prime. It was good. Yeah, I, I, the name's escaping me, but I watched that in the cluster with like mid nineties. It's like a trashy. It, it was yeah, yeah. Like he deals drugs, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's a good one though. He plays that pretty well. Like all of his movies are, are very different from each other. I know this isn't the Timothy Chalamet podcast. Yeah, but yeah. I just rewatched The King. He's, he's relevant to West. He's in a West movie, so he, he's yes. West adjacent. Yeah, and, and so I'm very excited to see really anything he's in. So seeing that combined with with uh, Wes Anderson, I want to see what he. You can do with that. We don't have to dutifully, if you're new to this to this podcast, we don't dutifully recreate the timeline, although we try and explain to to people that may have not watched it, like like we have with one of the movies, uh, the plot beats, but sometimes it's a little more detailed, yeah. and then other times it's more abstract, just like our thoughts and, and especially feelings. With, with, yeah, with Wes Anderson, it, it's very much less about the plot beats and more just about how you're feeling from scene to scene. At least, at least that, that's uh, why I like his movies. Yeah, that is... I. That's how a lot of people, I think, feel mm -hmm. about his movies. And I think that's a big reason he definitely has detractors is because they'll say, is this a real movie? Does yeah, this count? There's no plot, you know, other than just... They'll think, did we just watch sketch comedy? But <laughs> the movie, 
And Tim, yeah. So, oh, I was gonna say, fuck, we should watch Hot Summer Nights. That should be Hot an Summer episode. Nights, yeah, Hot yeah, Summer yeah. Nights. Yeah, I'd rewatch that one. A little peek behind the curtain. Andy's the kind of person you go, oh, maybe you should check that movie out, and then he just does it a lot of the time. I am not. You have to get on my ass to watch a movie. I, yeah, yeah. I've got a list of ones I really want to do on this pod that I just uh, Tyler shakes his head at, and I'm I'm chipping away. It's mostly Embrace of the Serpent. I want everybody to watch in the whole world to watch Embrace of the Serpent. I rewatched it the other day, and it's it's. You got me to watch Black Snake Moan. You should feel proud of that alone. And I, it, what a, oh man, if that was like my one freebie, like, hey, that was a, a, a big swing and a miss, and now I lost credibility. Like, hey, I really wish I had done Embrace of the Serpent before I got you to do Black Snake Moan. You might have been able to get me to do Embrace of the Serpent that week, but you really, you just came up and you were like, I, I want Black Snake Moan, and I was just like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll give it to you. What have I done? Yeah. But anyway, yeah, everybody check out Embrace of the Serpent. It's on Prime now. This is, we're not endorsing we're not that. The serpent prime pod. All right, so, man, where do we even start with Life Aquatic? So, I mean, what what plot beats? You said that well, was one of most of your notes. talk about Steve. I mean, it kind of does, like, a, an intro just about him and his previous documentaries, like, you know, his ship and whatnot. And then it's just pretty well early established that he's not a nice guy. Yeah, it, the movie opens, so I guess it's fair to, fair to, like, to bring up the fact that and I know this is loosely based on like an ocean real life oceanographer. I don't know if it's actually is Steve Zissou. I think it was. It, it was, was like in the Rotten Tomatoes summary. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I didn't pay enough attention to actually even look at the name. It shows the research I do for this podcast. Uh, we loosely looked at the IMDb. Yeah. A bit. <laughs> I mean, right now we, we didn't even have a schedule before today, so we're you know baby steps. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah, Steve is a failed, well, not failed, I mean, he's a successful or was successful. They make documentaries, he's an oceanographer. Yeah. Um, and I think a naturalist, all those, yeah. And I think you learn throughout the movie that he kind of always crafted bullshit narratives about his, yeah. like, they weren't, and I mean, to be fair, I guess maybe this is Wes's it's, joking statement about, like, documentaries as yeah. a whole is that they're very, like, it's pushing it, it towards a certain way towards making it yeah, the, the fake realism like that's like like the it was like nanook the hunter like documentary that was faked or whatever. oh i've never like, seen that but like uh, uh like it, it's so it's such a wes anderson thing that like the moments they're living are real oceanographer naturalist moments and stuff like that but yet he feels the need to make them fake as fuck <laughs> like everybody hold stop what they're doing let's let's recreate that in a very wooden, cartoony way, and then that's what he records. Like, he's losing the real moments to intentionally, like, fluff himself up into a, yeah. And, yeah, so that's what Bill Murray does, and it's it's not even implied. They, they say it. Like, he was successful. The reception to the movie we're watching right away as the movie kind of opens is his not... his partner is killed. <laughs> his partner is killed. He's eaten by the jaguar shark. Yeah, Esteban. Esteban, yeah. He's killed by the jaguar shark, and we see kind of like in the in the film, it's ambiguous of what actually killed him. Mm-hmm. But anyways, they say basically the reception was not good, and he's kind of shit out of luck for producing a new documentary. And then basically, like what the movie is primarily about is his estranged son slash not really a son, Owen Wilson slash. Uh, he's in every Wes Anderson movie. He's yeah. in a lot of them. Yes, I love Owen Wilson. He's a pretty solid actor. I enjoy yeah. Wilson. Weird in this movie a little bit. Like, yeah. the character choice is so odd. You would have said the same if we watched Royal Tenenbaums also. Okay, okay, fair enough. He also, like, goes into Native American face and, like, drives a car through a house in Royal oh, Tenenbaums. Yeah. He, 
Well, he was also, I mean, he's from Austin, which I think is why him and, uh, oh, okay. him and Wes Anderson are peeps. And what's his son's name? Damn, I already forget his son's name. His real net is, uh, uh, is it Ned? Ned Plimpton. And, <laughs> and we call him Kingsley. He renames him Kingsley Zisu. Yeah, he even gives him a middle name, right? Kingsley, like Mason or something weird like that? Well, maybe I, maybe I mashed Or no, no, he just, it's because I'm thinking he takes one name, and it's because he just would take Zisu. Yeah. And so, is he? Do you think is Steve Zissou's wife? First of all, because I mean, like we don't find this out till later. Mm-hmm. But do you think Steve Zissou's wife was full of shit, and that he does shoot blanks, or that he doesn't shoot blanks, or that he does? Do you think that Ned is actually his kid? I would. I would have to assume it's his kid, like just for the sake of the movie. Like, I, I guess I, maybe I'm not saying that. Maybe not for the sake of the movie. But just for the sake of these relationships, like it would just be kind of a weird movie to make it all in, in it all centered around this relationship, and then have it not even be you know realistic. Because then at the end of the movie, towards it, you know, Bill Murray even kind of confirms, like, yes, I remember your mother, mm-hmm. I remember all of that and everything. So I don't know. I, I, I tend to believe it myself because I was really torn. I mean, I don't, I don't think it really matters because I kind of got what the film mm-hmm. is trying to be about. I think I did too. Yeah. Which I mean, if I we can. So. So to, like, chronicalize, and, and this is why it's not always important to, like, go beat by beat for story, because you can essentially say it's about their oceanography, which goes awry, mm-hmm. and then he raps, and because of, like, the unnecessary steps it takes, it actually ends up being successful, but somehow two people had to die <laughs> in order to make that pop- Esteban originally. Crazy stuff had to happen, yeah. And then his, you know, spoiler alert, if you're I don't think anybody cares about spoilers for Steve Zissou. Yeah, Ned sure dies. Movie, yeah. Ned dies. And the like the notable things that distract everything is A, Ned, but he's also the reason it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, then his wife leaves him right away. He invites Ned after he already decided or opted to finance it. He then gets invited to be on the crew. This makes his crew mad, so there's a mutiny level. They hijack equipment from his rival, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. And then also um, some Somali pirates, or are they from Somali? I don't want to just... It can't be Somali because they're in the like, Guam, or not Guam. Yeah, it's like the Guam Islands or the they Pain, say the Pain Islands. That's in the Pacific. So, so that some, some pirates yeah. hijack them when they take an ill-advised shortcut to save on gas money. And then basically he tries to redeem himself, but ends up killing his son. And I think has a come to moment at the end. Who really knows? Yeah. But it ends with some pretty, pretty like just oh yeah, this is some good music. And it, I think you talked yeah, about we had a fun time here today. Didn't you we? talked about feeling like a certain way when this movie's over, and I get it. Yeah. If you don't like think about movies critically, it's real easy to just like forget that the two hours you watched was a lot more laborious than it was. Because it does end, and Alexis like oh that's pretty good, and I was like I, I kind of had a lot of problems with it. Oh yeah. But. I mean, I still didn't hate it. It's still Wes Anderson. Yeah. There was quirky dialogue. Right, quick question. Who is your favorite character in this movie? Because I have a definitive favorite character. Uh, it's definitely Klaus. I love Willem Dafoe. He's, he's, so he's fun. I enjoy him. Yeah. Mine is the accountant. The stooge he's, they he's said from, I, yeah. from the... I should have guessed that because I, I had a feeling I was going to say him. Yeah, he's, he's very fun. It's... So... It, this is so dry. This is the driest comedy, like... And it, that might even not even be encapsulating it properly. Like, 
which that shouldn't surprise me. Like a lot of Bill Murray's shtick is yeah. being incredibly dry. Mm-hmm. Some would call it not acting. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not. There's here not to... a big stretch from this from his Ghostbusters character where he was just sarcastic all the time. Just a, just a jerk around yeah. being very sarcastic to people, which put him in the right role and an appropriate thing. Like Bill Murray will knock it out of the fucking park. I love him in this one. And I shouldn't even have taken this long to say, like, even if he's not the most likable character, like, Bill Murray, I thought, did great and stole the show in this movie in a cast of, like, great actors. Like, he's surrounded by great actors, and I, I thought he stole the show. That's Maybe maybe that's just me. I'm looking at your face. I, I, don't, I don't want this to come off as I don't like Bill Murray. That was a big me in Ghostbusters, so don't worry. Well, I don't know. I had a lot of problems with Ghostbusters. If this somehow gets... This podcast goes viral at all. We are fucked with the Ghostbusters fan. <laughs> we probably lost listeners forever with that. Yeah. But I, it bears restating. I stated it in the, the Ghostbusters podcast. I don't think that Bill Murray's best suited as leading man. Oh, okay. And I think the one movie, and I watched like 30 minutes of it as a kid and was like, I don't get this. And my parents hated it. But it'd be interesting to revisit is Lost in Translation. Because oh. I think that's the stick of it is like, Someone that's expressive through his face, but only his face only. Yeah. And maybe not the most energetic leading man. Mm-hmm. Like, made sense for that movie. I don't think I saw that one. That was all him and Johansson? Yeah, I and he's one, yeah. basically, I believe he's a businessman, kind of like, just whatever, midlife crisis, maybe past that. Just kind of like, done with life, and he's on his this business trip, business trip, I believe, in Japan. So that's kind of like... The loss in translation. He feels alone and isolated, and I believe he meets Scarlett Johansson. Oh, okay. Now that I'm saying that out loud, it sounds a lot like Anomalisa, but Anomalisa came after. So. Okay. But yeah, so that's that's kind of my feeling on on Murray. I, it's not like I've watched every single Murray film ever. Mm-hmm. I just that lack of energy to me. I don't even. Yeah, you know, I guess I will say it makes you a less interesting protagonist. And I'm sure there's movies where like I'm contradicting myself, but for story reasons or whatever, I think that. It works, whereas a lot of the Bill Murray movies where he's, quote-unquote, the leading man, mm-hmm. it doesn't. But I also think most of the movies he's in, they try and surround him with more of a like energetic cast, which they definitely do here. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, and if they didn't have these people around him, it probably would have, well, of course it would have been a way different movie, but it probably wouldn't have been a good movie, even if, if anybody was even, like, had his similar personality type. But, but yeah, so, yeah, right off the bat, like, without talking about a ton of plot beats, like, you're just getting little things, like, little bits of exposition, like, was hitting on like a thirteen-year-old at some party. Yeah, Jesus Christ! Guy. Yeah, so there's just a lot of like little bits of weird things. Like he had a failed marriage, and he's just like you know crossing out her name. And you know when he's like asked about it, I can't remember by who. He's just immediately like, "Oh, it's her fault. She didn't love me." Like, yeah, well, you, surely you had no part in that, right, Steve? Like, you're, you're. Anyway, yeah. I am remembering one of the thoughts I had, kind of like after I, right after I saw the movie, because mm-hmm. it's been like a week now, I think almost, maybe not quite that, like five or six days. Yeah. But my thoughts aren't quite as fresh. Every time Wes Anderson, there's a trailer or a new movie or whatever is brought up, a lot of times people will complain that he hasn't grown as a filmmaker, that he's not more ambitious with what he's doing in theory that's a good idea mm-hmm. watching life aquatic i was like maybe just tell feel good quirky stories because this felt like he had more ambitious plans mm-hmm. because of the themes and dealing with bad characters or bad people is harder to do just like he's definitely not a great person he's 
arguably a scumbag. Yeah. But, like, you're not supposed to root for him. It's kind of like... And, and again, I haven't seen Tenenbaums, which you said is not great people either. But a lot of his revered films outside of Tenenbaums, I know, you know, people do love Mr. Fo- Fantastic Mr. Fox. They love Moonrise Kingdom. Grand Budapest is pretty well liked. And some people like Isle of Dogs more than I do. They're pretty feel good. I mean, Budapest puts everything in a bad situation, but the protagonist is undoubtedly a good person mm-hmm. with just flaws. Like, it's, you know, Moonrise Kingdom. Everybody's a good person in that, and that's super feel good. Fantastic yeah, Mr. Fox. I'm sure there's weirdos that are like, he's stealing, but like, Mr. Fox is a good person. Mm-hmm. Selfish, of, of course, but this man, this felt like Wes just trying to reach out and do maybe a little bit more than yeah. like he's used to, and it was just like, I mean, I, I maybe stick in your lane, Wes. <laughs> I, I can hear, I can definitely see what you're, where you're coming from with that, and, and he does, did seem like he was able to do a little bit more with that because it. It didn't seem like it was really supposed to be a feel good at any point. It was just, hey, we're going to keep the quirkiness and just tell this story of just a completely different guy altogether. But I think that's kind of somewhere the humor came out of that, too. Like, at some point, you know, he's a naturalist. You would think that you're not doing that if it isn't like your drive and passion in life and just like flicking that gecko off of himself. Like, yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah, get out of here. There's some, yeah, there's some decent jokes. Yeah, like, I know, you got a lot of, still a lot of really good laughs out of me. It's not a bad movie. I'm not going to lambast the score just because I think some of the things that Wes does are fun. They make good movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dioramas are, are fun and gorgeous and really particular. I loved the ambiguous technology where you're just like, I, I find myself wondering, was this ever actually used for oceanography purposes in actual technology or is this stuff that's just fabricated? If it's real, maybe it's less fun for people that are a little older and maybe experience that. But for me, it's just kind of like, oh, that's really interesting looking. Uh, just because I also like real sets. Wes builds a lot of real Very sets. True, yeah. So I'm a sucker for that. He uses framing in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think there's – I understand why people can get a malaise about Wes movies. I think I don't have that for a lot of his newer stuff because I still feel like – it's funny and good. Mm-hmm. And when you just watch a movie about like someone that's not and they're the grander questions is posing or, or trying to like, at least make you feel yeah. when you're, when that's not lining up with how it should be, you're just kind of left thinking like, oh, it feels really hollow. I guess it doesn't leave. It didn't leave me feeling like good, oh, but okay. not bad. Not like that movie sucked. And not like I hate West, but it's just kind of like, what the fuck was the point of this movie? Yeah, I, I, I can definitely see that. Like, and I kind of thought that too, coming away. Like, what, what was the point? Like, what was the message? And then I just kind of had to give up on that. Like, I, I don't think this really was one. If there was any message, and and I remember, you know, I've kind of got this every time I've watched it, and it's more so mm-hmm. with this one than any other Wes Anderson. But to me, these were like so clearly like children talking. To like no one is is articulating their feelings well the way that adults should. Like no one is is capable. Like, like he even says, "Hey, I sure would like to you know acknowledge you as my son, Ned, but I I think that might make me want to cry." Like, yeah, he says that at one point. That is absolutely like not happening. So it's just like people aren't using emotions the way they should. And and maybe this is this seeming like it's too more, but but I really like this about Wes Anderson movies is that it's. It makes you feel like you want to have like those moments where you're, you're wanting them to say more than they are, and it's not 
due to a lack of writing or that he didn't have the ability to. Yeah, he's... It's that instilling feeling of, like, say it. Say what's on your mind. And I've always been that person, too. And I'm not... I don't think it's a direct relation from, like, these movies. Like, wow, that opened it up in my head. But it's like, it does no one any good ever to not say what's, you know, as long as it's something positive. Yeah, it's like, but like... It can be realistic writing because people that say what's on their mind all the time, that's, yeah. that's not real. Yeah, and... Uh, I, I, I feel bad. I didn't articulate that well at all. But I, I get what you mean because you, you do have that. There's a lot of like intentional silence sometimes in Wes's movies, intentional pauses yeah. that are mining emotion from expressions, from reading the room, mm -hmm. from context more so than like, hey, let me spell out the story beats for you. And like, what are these characters feeling? Mm -hmm. I think it's just like the context of the story, who Steve Zissou is in this movie. Yeah. It just makes it feel weird. Like, he's such a, like, his emo. I guess, I, I, maybe, maybe not even the way they're speaking, but their emotions are so childish. Like, yeah. the moment he, like, I, we don't even need to get into, like, all the derogatory stuff he says, you know, about, like, the gay community. But, like, the moment he, like, oh, this girl doesn't like me, oh, clearly she's a lesbian. You know what it's like? Yeah. That's okay. some elementary shit right there. Yeah. And, and he does that a bunch of other times. And, and you know. Uh, I think I also... So that was the other part. I, thank you for bringing that up. Because yeah, holy shit, yeah, I, 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 I forget to mention that. What? Wes Anderson is not a homophobe. But which, yeah, of course not. But the, yeah, which was like, why address it in this way? Yeah. It just didn't. To me, there were other ways to make Steve Zissou unlikable, which the movie did. Why did it need to go the extra length? Especially when it feels like. Not that it's redeeming him per se, like he's a great person you should listen to or like admire, mm -hmm. but it feels like it at least empathizes with him. And I personally just don't want to empathize yeah. with a homophobe. So, yeah. and then at the end too, like when uh, uh, he's kind of at odds with Jeff Goldblum because Jeff Goldblum is kind of hanging out with Angelica Houston, who was yeah his his ex wife uh, or and also his ex wife. And so he kind of like, are they hooking up, whatever? Or well, also Goldblum. Also, Goldblum was with her before he was married. Also true, yes, yeah. neither. And so it, it's kind of implied maybe they're still sleeping together, whatever. And and then at the end, like Goldblum even puts that to rest or something. He's like, oh no, don't worry about that, Steve. Like I'm part gay. Or does he like, say part gay? Or does he, he say part? He says part gay, which yeah, is like the, weird... the, the wording because that's what Steve called him earlier. He's like, I think he's like a part gay or somewhere. He probably used language of that but yeah but it was like and then just to affirm that at the end like what was that <laughs> like full circle on I, I just i didn't get that yeah the i mean if if steve z sue had not used that exact i mean and that exact wording mm -hmm. maybe that's a slightly funny joke at the end if goldblum yeah. is like that's how he phrases it yeah maybe that was supposed to be some guy because it's I just didn't... like unintentionally dumb and i mean this is where you can get yourself in hot water using like unambiguous time frames, mm -hmm. because personally, like I don't want to see slurs and derogatory language used, anyways. Yeah. But at least you have the thinly veiled like defense of time periods. Time but period, when you're yeah. being unambiguous, or when <laughs> yeah. you're being ambiguous with your time frame, it's like, well, we know what year you were writing it in, Wes. <laughs> we have Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. Like, could you like have? It just felt like there was no narrative purpose because yeah. it wasn't like a, a horrible man descending t into more horribleness, and there was not a redemptive arc to it. Like not enough. It was just like, hey, this is in here. Which like I'm glad because I like turning him around and being like, you should cheer for him 
when it felt gross. Yeah. But, again, it's just like, so yeah, what was the point, Wes? Like, he wasn't framed that way at all. Like, What's weird is, the meta part of it all... I mean, is maybe it, you're supposed to feel from a little bit when he cries. Yes, I certainly did all put their hands on him. Yeah, it did. It did. That was, I think... I, I remember that being a little touching, and then on this rewatch, I was like, oh, no. no, no, no. I guess the meta part of all of this, like, when you're pulling yourself away from the big picture, is this being as panned as it was, is kind of like his, Wes Anderson's version of the film that he mm-hmm. shows where a friend dies, where everyone's just kind of like, okay, are you going to do something better? Like, can yeah. you do your old stuff? <laughs> Which is like, well, a lot of people didn't like this, was viewed as his da- like the down part of his career. Yeah. I think Darjeering, which was after this, and I still haven't seen, that was like, he was slightly on the up, but that's still a lot of cultural appropriation going on to that. Yeah, that so was- it's still viewed as like, mm-hmm. hey man, what, are you going to like start making good movies again? And then really, the interesting part is like, that turnaround was Fantastic Mr. Fox, which was I think, I guess, maybe the idea of like putting himself in an element he's not used to. Mm-hmm. So, thank goodness he did. Very, very happy he did. I don't want to say that I think he shouldn't experiment, but maybe not in like ambiguous tones. Maybe just switch up genres with like, yeah, because that's that seems to work with or seemed to work with Fantastic Mr. Fox. And I don't know inside Wes Anderson's head. I probably never will. But if he ever wants to be on the podcast, he is more than welcome to be. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I just I, like it. Almost feels like he was in a malaise when he wrote this, and just kind of did so because. I'm sure he makes a decent chunk of change off of every film he makes. And, like, I wish I had something that felt more, like, potent Mm -hmm. and just, like, really critical or, like, a fair evaluation of how I would make this better. But, like, like, again, outside of taking out the slurs and, like, not making him more unlikable for that reason, Mm -hmm. I guess it would be just, like, trim the fat man. This one feels like the editor just let a lot of things ride in the editor's room that there are scenes in this movie that you for sure do not need. They could have got trimmed, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the ending did, does leave you a little bit lackluster. You know, the, the things that, that are still fun that do hold up, though, like, he loves using, I mean, like, I guess everyone likes using fun music, of course, but, like, he uses a lot of, like, like Iggy Pop and the Stooges. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, like, like, most of the last time you watched a movie that had that, like, like the Tenet Bombs has a lot of, like, the Ramones. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, a little more appropriate for his time. Or, like, sure, yeah. like just adjacent to, you know, when they were relevant. For, for that, yeah, but still kind of out of place in that type of movie, you know, and, and he still does that real real big through this one. Um, with Without making his movies love letters to his other movies, like, he, he just, he makes them similar enough with, like, the dioramas, the, you know, the, uh, I love things that being explained, like we've talked about, so, like, I love things at the top of the movie, pretty much saying, hey, this is what the movie's going to be about. Here's literally like a cut in half diorama. <laughs> we're going to take yeah. you from side to side. We're going to explain to you how this ship was built, how much we bought it for. And I'm just like, sweet. Okay. So I, I, those those things are still a lot of fun for me. Yeah, they're, they're, it's good context. He does espos- exposition in a weirdly jarring way. Mm-hmm. It is fourth wall breaking. It's just like, yep, here it is. And it's just... Like, I don't even want to say it's a good, but you're just kind of like the fact that you can move on from it, and it's not trying to like interweave it throughout the story. I think is just nice. Uh, I will also, damn it, I just had a thought on the the tip of my tongue that now I've lost. I'm trying to think. I, I, I like kind of going along with like the the childish dialogue and how everybody just seems like they're they're just like grown up children. Like at the end when they're making the adjustments to the flag, and like Klaus like loses his mind over being just being included with the yeah, that was fun, and he's just like. Like I, I guess my example of like they're not able to articulate well, 
much like me right now trying to explain this, is he's like, hey, thank you, I really appreciate that. And he's saying that to Owen Wilson, who kind of just brushes it off, like, well, sure, Klaus, we're friends now. And he's like, you don't understand. Like, I love it. Thank you for it. And it's like, he clearly wants to say so much more, but they're, yeah. they're children. Like, he doesn't know how. <laughs> it, was, it was very fun. So I did remember, and this isn't, like, a criticism, criticism, but it, Owen Wilson felt out of place as the son. think so? Yeah, I thought it felt... So not that the like you have to remove the sun art because that is what the film is. True, but and I I don't know what his like pull and his reach was for all the for his actors mm-hmm. actor friends and whatnot at the time. But like off the top of my head, would Edward Norton, all of Moonrise Kingdom, not have felt like just a better fit there? I would have. I would have. <laughs> Edward Norton's better than just about everybody. It's tough to say. He's he so be, yeah, he sucked he a good actor, man. Um, but he feels like it's less of a bit when he does it. Like I would have gotten more of the boyish charm, like while also being sure of himself uh-huh. from, from Norton. Oh, yeah. And that's not, again, to just, I like Owen Wilson a lot. That's not to smirch him, but also like, but then it would have been some alternate timeline where Owen Wilson is the camp counselor in Moonrise. No, just give him both Ed, man. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, because he works with like a, a variety of actors. I think mm-hmm. it's fair to say yeah. from comic actors to serious. And I don't, want to say Owen Wilson is incapable of serious roles. This one is like right on that razor's edge where it's like, we're supposed to take him serious, but also it feels like a funny bit because we don't really know if he's his son. And like, he never matched Murray's like dead, dead pantone to me. Whereas like, you know, fucking Norton would have, he would have just sat there and had moments where you're like, all right, I kind of believe it. Maybe yeah. he's his son. And then he also could have had that goofy charmingness yeah. that he could have played. Norton's just so good. That's just like a, a recommendation off the top of my head. Because yeah. that, would, that would be your, what would you do to make this movie better? That and trim the fat. Like yeah. just in cut certain moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I get that you want the goofiness. I'm not even saying like cut some of the fun, dumb jokes. Like I love the side trip mm-hmm. to the pirate island and yeah. having to rescue my favorite character, the, the accountant. Mm-hmm. But like, there are definitely moments, like probably more of the serious stuff that you could have just cut out, man. This movie did not need to be two and a half hours. Ironically enough, it makes you think more about the movie and you're just kind of like, did I like the two hours I just spent? Or it's like a lot of times, whether, whether it's good critical thought or not, you watch something that's an hour and a half and you're like willing to give passes (laughs) because it didn't feel the need to like overstay its welcome. And yeah, you just like, and then the longer it is, you start looking back at every scene, like, Really? Director? Was it worth it? Like, I guess. made it past the cutting room floor. Are you serious? You film a lot of things, and you're like, how does this cohesively fit? Sometimes you need to look at your, like, final draft, you know, once you've edited everything down and go, that's too long. <laughs> Especially because I feel like, uh, I mean, Grand Budapest is up there a little bit, but Fantastic Mr. Fox, sharp. N- nice under an hour and a half. Yeah. Sharp. Just like. I don't want this. a lot of long movies, so yeah, that hour and a half was nice. Just like I don't want this podcast to be an hour and ten minutes. We're at like thirty-five. I'll probably it'll be cut down to thirty-three, nice. thirty-four. If this runs on for an hour, you're probably thinking you guys had some things to say, but that was too long. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you have to make that executive decision to cut. Just like I'm sitting here thinking, do we have much more to talk about with this film? Even <laughs> well, this, I don't think we did hardly any plot beats in this one, which was pretty crazy. It's so sparse because I, I literally laid out like just like okay here are the detours here yeah, are the derails yeah. and like things. there's little moments like when he invites Ned to be on the crew oh my god all these weird jellyfish popped up 
that just like I guess you could lay that out right now, but it doesn't feel like relevant to why this movie's yeah. good or not. Uh, like I said, so just a quick explanation. We didn't mention Kate Blanchett's in this movie either, did we? Oh, he did not. <laughs> uh, she's, she's got her whole. She's got a baby on the way. She, there's a whole yeah. lot going on in this movie. It's, I feel I feel like shit now because we did leave out her whole arc. But I guess that just felt how that like reiterated a that I watched it six days ago mm-hmm. and I'm trying to recount the plot, but also that. Her arc felt unnecessary, which I feel a little messed up because somehow I left out like the major female character in this movie. But also maybe a testament to Wes write better female characters. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's a reporter that is a fan of Steve. She shows up. He's a dick to her, and then also Ned falls in love with her. Well, he's a dick to her only after she kind of is honest with him. Advances, yeah, kind of tells him like, "Hey, you're you're you haven't been good for a while, and I had to fight to get you this piece." Nobody wants to hear from you. And yet, like, I guess we also were just so sparse with the, the plot that it's easy to, to miss something like that. So people that like our recanting of the plot, you need to be more vocal about that, because I never know which way to lean with this stuff. It's true. It just felt unnecessary for this film. Yeah, there's some um, of these where we need to, like, only stick to the plot beats or it won't make sense. But this one, I feel like we kind of jump all around. It was pretty great, like, watching Jeff Goldblum like, run around shot in a Dr. Pepper shirt. That was pretty I, fun. So, like, I don't want to be that person, but he's not a great person. Oh, so, yeah, like, um, now yeah. that it... Now, it's one of those things where, like, I, okay, if you're going to get preachy and say that you, like, oh, I can respect the difference between the art and the artist, like, sorry, I can't. Like, if you're a garbage person, it becomes harder for me to watch your stuff. So, like, he's not a great person, and before anyone comes for oh, me, I know that there's not... Gold, you're going to get a shut down. There's, I, I'm well aware that the internet loves him, um... <laughs> And, like, he's not Harvey Weinstein and that there's been a bunch of stuff and he's going to prison for sure. But, like, it doesn't take a lot of Google searching to find you, like, that he's got some some people that have alleged things against him, making him a not great person. Oh. So, it, like, and part of the problem is he never even plays, like, nuanced characters. It's always like, oh, doesn't everyone love me? I'm Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Which, in, like, retrospect makes you, like, me feel even grosser about watching films with him. Sure. So it's not like I hated Life Aquatic because he was in it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I understand he's got, you know, like, bad people have plugins in Hollywood, so of course there are going to be, like, awful people in movies from time time to time. I like Manchester at Sea, uh, or Manchester by the Sea. Casey Affleck, not a great person. I love a ghost that story. Was, that one's real tough. Manchester, that was on my list. Of, it's pretty one. good. It's also long and heavy. Yeah. And not quite as good as, like, I read a oh, review that was, like, glowing, and I didn't hate it, but it was just, like, really, this wasn't a 10, and that's what I was led to believe. Tell me, I like I love a ghost story. A.C. Affleck, supposedly not a great person, he's in a ghost story. I reckon with that... Assassination, we raved about that one. I, I come to grips with that because he's <laughs> hardly seen at all in a ghost story, and I already know I'm a garbage person. <laughs> no, I but, yeah, so that... That's just a, a side note about how I feel about Goldblum. And also, he's not that great of an actor. He just shows up and is like, I'm Jeff Goldblum. Recently, you know who I am. Yeah, he kind of just shows up. And his old stuff, like The Fly and whatnot. Oh, yeah. That was more coming for like everything recent. I don't yeah. even, I've never watched The Fly. It's a good one. Yeah. I've heard it's I good. I don't think we need, need to do it on this pod, but it's a good one. I've heard it's good, but I'm also, like, I heard it's good after I kind of learned about it. would have some pacing issues. It's very early 80s. Okay. In the same way that, like, the original Terminator... Was was real slow. For me. Yeah. Oh, we the internet doesn't need to hear about my the Terminator. <laughs> I saw someone post on Twitter when they did the Terminator sucked, and I saw what happened to that guy. Oh no! And I was like, "Fuck, that's us." If anyone ever listens to the Ghostbusters, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take that 
Terminator. Yeah, I, I love the original Terminator. Oh, yeah, I, Andy I, loves I, I it. Forced Tyler to watch it, and he's like, "No, it doesn't hold up well." It's yeah. I'm sorry. I'm still like. It's like I don't know. Come through the internet. That's not good. Life Aquatic. Never through this. Uh, I have a quick note. Like, I guess my just and also some exposition for anyone that hasn't seen it or doesn't remember. My favorite character, how he comes to be. And it's, like, such a dumb write-in, but it also makes... I like that he had to justify the character's existence, mm-hmm. is that the corporation that... The company that usually signs off on the checks for his films was, like, we'll negotiate, we'll pay for partial. His son steps in, excuse me, and says, like, hey, I'll, I'll fund the rest of it. And so, but then the cor- the company is still like, well, we want a stooge. But then, like, that's uh, Zisu's words. It's like, oh, they sent us uh, an accounting stooge mm-hmm. to make sure that I don't go over budget. And the whole joke where he shows up and he's just like, oh, so. He, and instead of just, like, being silent, Zisu just addresses it immediately. And it's like, so you were the stooge they sent? He's like, I'm not a stooge. I'm a person. And how he just has to sit there. Steve has to sit there and go, yeah, fair enough. And, like, they have this whole bond. And the fact that he got taken hostage and then. Steve was still like, no, we got to go get it. Is his name Bill? That's my... It's, it is it's Bill. Bill. Yeah. He's like, we got to go get Bill. And I was like, I, I love this arc. It was the dumbest part of the whole movie. But it was like... He has that weird loyalty to... <laughs> it was the only... Company yeah, and it was like the only thing that like, didn't involve this weird triangle and like whatever was his thoughts on fatherhood or, you know, like romantic intent is. It's like, Wes, you're not... Like, it wasn't that captivating when you were talking about real things. You're better at making dumb arcs like it's this. A silly movie, yeah. And also the fact that, like, they bring that just the small bits later on in the movie where he's just like, you know, I gotta, like, you can't do this. And then Steve's just like, hey, tell the company whatever you have to tell the company. You do your thing, and I'm gonna just keep doing this instead. Oh, it was something about, like, legally, if we're gonna do something illegal, I have to tell them. It's like, make the calls you gotta make. I don't care. And then that was, like, the relationship. I liked that relationship better than I liked Steve and his own sons. I mean, yeah. And easy. I loved that he got... I loved that conversation. Can I call you dad? No, what about Steve Z instead? Right. And the fact that he had his own Nikes was a hilarious that side joke so to good, me, yeah. too. Like, I don't know if it was Wes's Daki opinion that everybody gets a Nike shoe, which I don't... It's really hard, actually. Yeah. Or just that, like... Or was it some was dumb... Oh, you got, like, a Reebok. It might have been Reebok, I, yeah. He didn't get the Nike. Would it have, or if it was just like, hey, this is how big this oceanographer is, wouldn't it be a funny joke? I hope it was that. Uh, but it, like, it was a funny joke nonetheless. It also looked like some pretty sweet Reeboks. I was like, oh, yeah. I wonder how much this? That's what he had. Like, like, if I didn't say it already, dry. That's about as funny as it gets. Is just, oh, look at him stretching out in his shoes. That's funny. But <laughs> I, I mean, like, I wanted to like this film more. Uh, I can't say, like, I can't express, despite watching this enough, how much I'm, like, I will watch the rest of his backlog. I usually take my time going through older stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to be in the right mindset. I want to be excited to watch it. Whereas I like, for some reason I'm trash. I'm a trash millennial that is excited to watch anything that's in the theater. They're a big screen in front of me. I still going to critically roast it, but like, I just get more jazz to watch stuff in theater. It's- I'm the classic movie watcher. Yeah. You just- I binged like six Werner Herzog movies. <laughs> and that is, and Tyler didn't want to hear about any of them. <laughs> that, yeah. That was not me. That was not my pace. But so anyways, I mean, I, I, I can't stress enough. I'm still like, in for the French Dispatch, in for hopefully more good Wes Anderson movies. Definitely. But my score is not going to be the kindest. It's not going to be awful, but... Okay, I'm ready if you are. Yeah, I'm ready to score this bad boy. Uh, Go for it. 
six and a half for me. Oh, man. I, I was, it was originally a seven. Yeah. And man, I was even leaning that way. And then you brought up some of the problematic stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, that was my other big gripe about this movie. So it's <laughs> a six and a half. For that. <laughs> Dang, that's too tough. Uh, it's an eight four for me. I, I remember this oh, one geez, being like a nine. Four? Yeah. Cause I, I really like Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Like, like the tenant bombs is still a nine for me. Um, this one I remember being like in the low nines, but I just don't think it ages as well as some of his other ones. Like at the time, I think I still, it was my favorite, but yeah, you know, things change, whatever, you know, some movies age better than others. Tenenbaum still holds up great. I've said that 10 times already. Uh, and we'll get into Mr. Fox and how much I like that one. But yeah, this one was an 8-4 for me. I really enjoyed Mr. Fox. I'm, I'm going to be much kinder to that. I think all three, so it, it doesn't, not a spoiler for our scores, because I don't think we'll ever really talk about Moonrise, do a pot on Moonrise, Budapest, or uh, what's the other one? We did Fox, so maybe I'm thinking that. But those two, I give probably low to high nines. This is just like, this stood out as like depreciably worse to me. Now, and again, I enjoyed it. It wasn't like I hated every minute of it. I just had a lot of questions. And the fact that it's so less so little of an impression in my mind a week later just speaks to like where, like it didn't really, is a movie I saw, you know? Yeah, versus Mr. Fox or something. It would have gotten a seven, but it was a little, it had some problematic stuff. So like, instead of being mediocre, it's like you're, you're slightly sub-mediocre. Oh, I get you. So do you have any other you have any other spare thoughts, Andy? Anything else you want to bring up before? No, love Wes Anderson. Uh, hope you didn't sound like too much a hater. That, that just wasn't our, our, our favorite one. Um, Mr. Fox is going to be a lot more fun, I think. Yeah, I think it'll be a little more like we we keep some praise on it. Although sometimes the the bashing is fun. Yeah. If you haven't seen me just like destroy In Event Horizon or Black Snake Moan, go back. Did you hear that intro? It's like that, but me mad all episode. Uh, or there's just like putting out fires. Yeah. Or there's like the fun mutual. We both batched, but had a good time. I had a good time. Fast and the Furious. That, was Tokyo Tokyo Drift, yeah. that one's pretty highly. We got a lot of views on that one. That's tell us more content. You would like people. Maybe without emailing. Maybe that is what they're telling us. They want us to do. It's like batching podcasts. I just need. Hold on. It's just Watching a soft. It's videos. a soft limp. Like real Wes Anderson casual. <laughs> just like. Uh, that was very tongue in cheek. Yeah. I, I just locked the vault. A six and a half and an eight four from us. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here last, folks. <laughs> last people on earth to talk about the life aquatic with Steve Z. Sue. Probably the last that should. Oh, don't say that. Joking. I, I love Wes. I really do. So that is it for this pod. That's all of our thoughts on the life aquatic with Steve Z. Sue. Did we say what movie is next week? Yeah. So, okay. oh, next week. Oh, my God. No, we didn't. Oh, oh my God. See, I had we'll, a good we'll intro other than that. One, we'll say it on this too right now. Next week. So this Wednesday. You, it's when Wednesday, whenever you listen after, it came out on Wednesday, this podcast did, on Saturday, Fantastic Mr. Fox will be there. Following Wednesday and Saturday, the next two films we're going to be watching are Mom and Dad, a like like black comedy slash action kind of thing going on. I've never seen it. Sorry, Nick Cage. Hard and first Nicolas Cage, who is, who is one of my favorites. Andy absolutely loved Nicolas Cage. Love I dabble in the cage. I haven't seen a lot of what he's... I love Mandy. I love That's, him. That's what I'll say about you got me to watch Mandy. Everyone should pause this right now and go watch Mandy. Mandy's a great film. And then uh, we are also going to be watching from 2013. It's either 2013 or 14. The Spectacular Now, starring Miles Miles Teller and Shailene Woodley. It's a coming-of-age film. If you like John Hughes films, just, like, take that, put them in the 2010s, like, for a new generation. But, but like, even less kitschy, I think, than that. It's a little more self-serious, but, like, okay. not overtly so. I really, really, really like that film. Yeah. 
You got me excited about Miles Teller. We did yeah. Whiplash, of course, and then... You really liked Bleed for this. I, I, you got me to watch Bleed for this, where he's the boxer. Yeah, he was so good in that one. And so those are the two films we're going to be watching next week. Any recommendations beyond that? I mean, like, I don't have to say it again, but I'll say it again. azmovieclub at gmail.com. Once more, that's azmovieclub at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us. I've said it once, and I'll say it however many times till I get enough to where I can no longer say it. But I will read your email, your tweet, your hate mail, whatever it is. We'll read it all out on the we podcast. Watch whatever movie. We are that desperate for interaction. Hopefully one day we won't be. We'll be in a successful podcast studio. This is what I'll do permanently. We can always dream big. But until that day, we'll read out your email. We won't charge you a dime. We'll give you free press. Also, if you have a local business or whatever, uh, and you listen and you'd like to be our sponsor, by all means, we'll just do it. We'll trade free publicity at this point. Hell yeah. I offered that to my sister. She runs a bakery, Good Vibes Bakery. You can't she didn't want the pup. She didn't want the press. I was so ready to like read a whole script out loud, like to put on the full yeah. salesman voice and do There's it. There's a few people in Tempe listening, I'm sure. But she got so uh she basically like she had so many sales and was so overwhelmed that she's like, Nah, I don't need I don't need any more publicity. Oh, okay. I'll do it for you and I then I was just like, No, it's fine. Like I don't now I feel bad. My mine is less successful than yours. <laughs> But yeah, those those offers all still stand. Also, we get a million listens on an episode. I have to get a tattoo. So there's that on the table. I'm just saying, people, there's reasons for this to go viral. And also, we'll get a lot of hate mail, I'm sure, when the Ghostbusters episode finally goes viral. Yeah. But until that day, this has been the Arizona Movie Club. I'm so glad that we got to record and talk about this, Andy. And we get to talk about some more Wes Anderson in just a moment. Peace out. I, I've got no more thoughts for the people. Have a great night, day, week, whatever. Got anything to say, Andy? Oh, thanks, guys.